So who in your personal life would you trade faces with just to cause mayhem? For me personally, it would be you just because of your occupation. Oh, man. Just anybody in my personal life. Yeah. Cause mayhem. While wearing their face. Oh, my God. That's a... And you get to use the same logic of today's film. So your body type doesn't have to match or gender or your teeth or anything like that. God, I wish you'd given me some heads up. Um, I definitely think it would have been a former boss that I'm not going to name. Okay. Um, And I would just go around being like, you guys... I'm really sorry that I'm an asshole all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys deserve uh, to make more money, be treated better, and like do a bunch of stuff that really commits him to treating everybody better. And he's like shown weakness by apologizing. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden he gets his body back and he's like, I was like, thank you for being so kind and courteous. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I would never have given you a raise. It's like, well, you did. Yeah. And it's like, it would be so benevolent to everyone else and ruin his day yeah i would take your face and one of your cars and your credit card and buy like a full like white southern dandy suit like a colonel sanders suit linen and then i would with your occupation just take control of the courtroom like big suspenders popping i'm just a simple country lawyer all the tropes now see i'm a small town country lawyer and what i'm telling you is you gotta draw just a simple country lawyer. And what I'm going to tell you is that man over there is guilty <laughs> that of are, raping that lady over there. <laughs> that are the uh, Kevin Spacey in A Time to Kill. The- Didn't they teach you that in law school? <laughs> Just be an absolute shit. Yeah. Yeah, you could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, people would be like, what is wrong with Michael today? Yeah. My runner-up would be my dad, but, like, I don't think I could really fuck his life up. I don't think he's done anything that I could, like, top as far as outrage goes. It's wild to me that your goal is, like, I want to ruin someone's life. Well, yeah, why else would you take somebody's face? To to do good as them? No, no. I guess that was what you were wanting to do. Like, you can mess with somebody and also help people. (laughs) You're just talking about causing chaos. Yeah. Hi, man, just... Different strokes for different folks. All right. Well. Welcome to another episode of The Snob and the Scent Presents. I'm your host, Matt. I'm your host, Michael. And today we're going to announce a new format. We're changing things up with the pod. We're uh, no longer doing the double feature format. Instead, it's just going to be one movie per week. But you will get an episode every week instead of bi-weekly. And uh, to kind of keep things a little more consistent, we're going to be going on uh, monthly themes. This first month, we're going to be doing Nicolas Cage films in chronological order. Yeah, we're really excited about this. I think it's going to make it more digestible, and I think it's going to let us actually get to more films in a, 
in a particular theme mm-hmm. uh, let us explore more topics and like I said it's gonna it's actually gonna give us a little more consistency yeah and the edit uh, episodes won't be so super long so it won't take me so long to edit I mean I like a long episode you know I, I think we need to push four hours I mean and outdo Joe Rogan well okay then let's do a double feature every week eight movies a month let's do it let's bang it out come on i don't we don't make enough money doing this to do that we don't make any money doing this i cost money actually <laughs> it does cost I, I rented, money i rented two movies this week well i spent 45 dollars on that sling blade blu-ray I'm, well to be fair i mean we also i also bought two lane blacktop yeah i'd previously bought vanishing point so we're in it mm. in for a penny in for a pound and there's a thousand percent chance i'm going to forget to cancel my paramount plus subscription i hope you do yeah if i could take my face off and swap it with yours i'd forget to pay to cancel your paramount plus you don't need to i'm going to do that anyway but as michael just said uh we're starting off nicholas cage month with 1997's face off but before we get into that uh michael what have you been watching man yeah so caught up on the last of us uh huh. Well, that's pretty. It's a good show. Yeah. And um, is tonight the finale? I don't know. Is it? I think so. They're only doing like eight episode seasons. Um, I think that's what I heard. But that's been the case for most HBO shows the last couple of years. Is like eight episodes. I guess it all goes back to that Game of Thrones last couple of seasons when they started doing eight episodes. Man, I don't know, but I don't. Yeah. But when they did it, they were doing like ninety minute episodes. They were also trying not to outpace the books. Oh, they had already passed the books whenever they started doing that, didn't they? Like I, I seasons know. like six through eight. I, yeah, I think you're. I think that's when they outpassed it. I didn't realize yeah. that's when they went to eight episodes. I could be wrong, but you know, even The Last of Us is an hour and twenty minute episode. Is it? Okay, yeah, they're pretty long. Uh, man, that's going to be interesting. That's the season finale tonight. Yeah. So tell me about it. what do you like about it so far. Uh, it's some. It's a very emotionally compelling show. Mm-hmm. We haven't, it seems like there hasn't been a lot happen. Uh, there's been a lot of flashbacks and a lot of setting the scene yeah. for everything that's going on. But it's in a good way. It's it's saving, like you're not having major plot points every single episode so that there's this constant rush to move the plot forward. Mm-hmm. Like with Great Game of Thrones where there's always got to be something major big happen. Yeah. Um, sometimes the episode's just explaining how these guy how they get this truck. Yeah. With this uh, most recent episode, with it being mostly a flashback, I believe that was an adaptation of some DLC that came out after the first game. I have no idea. I yeah. hadn't played it. Me either. That's another thing. Like, how much of the game is this first season going to cover? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. But it seems like they're doing a good job. They've got a good pace. Mm-hmm. And they're setting this up to be a really solid series. Yeah, I love the effects works. The fungus zombies are really cool looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of attention to detail. Uh, there's a lot of work they put into the sets, even if they're not using them for very long. Yeah. Like the... Um, I don't get how the fungus makes people giant and strong, though. <laughs> I mean... That was a guy that was already nine feet tall that just happened to get taken over. I don't know, man. Uh, it's more plausible than Resident Evil turning somebody 15 foot tall, putting a 500 pound triangle cage on their head and giving them the blade of a industrial tractor as a weapon. Okay, so that's Silent Hill, not Resident Evil? No, there's the, the T-Virus does that to somebody in Resident Evil. You're 100%. mixing up Pyramid Head and Nemesis. 
Nemesis has the giant machine gun, and he's like nine foot tall. There's also Mr. X. But in all the different movies and games, there's a bunch of like just two large zombies wielding two big of weapons. Yeah. In Resident Evil. Well, in Resident Evil, it's a bio lab. Those guys were engineered. It's not like a fungus. It's not nature. It's still just like... Somebody yeah. gets exposed to the T-virus, and all of a sudden... Yeah. Well, also, The Last of Us takes itself a lot more seriously than any Resident Evil movie. Or sure. Or game, sorry. But I don't know... I don't know exactly how this mushroom yeah. works, but... It looks cool. I could at least suspend belief long enough for there to be a giant mushroom zombie. Yeah. Uh, has there been a performance that stood out to you so far? Let's see... I wasn't ready for this question. Oh, sorry. Obviously, the two leads, I think, are really good. Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. I was trying to pick one that wasn't one of the leads. I think his daughter at the very beginning in the first episode did a a really good job. And there's a lot of... She really does that character in a way where you get connected to her. Mm -hmm. You still feel it like episodes later. And you're like, man, all of that for somebody who... Is just in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Spo- the first half of the first episode. Spoilies ahead. Yeah. Um, I think that Nick Offerman and his counter. Yeah. Frank in episode Bill. three or three, four. Yeah. Uh, that their acting was. I think that was a mm-hmm. top notch performance. Yeah. There was some controversies like, oh, they're doing SJW stuff and making Bill gay, but it turns out like he was gay in the game. It's just when you meet him in the game, his partner's already died. Yeah, and even if they they didn't do that, yeah, you shouldn't care. I think it's more of just I heard somebody say. I mean, I was watching with my kids, and it's like, okay, one, it's rated mature. Yeah, maybe don't watch it with your kids. HBO is um, ruining my childhood, even though I played this game when I was twenty eight. <laughs> and it's like I, I don't care that your kids saw that. Yeah, uh, and two. You wouldn't be mad if it were two women or a man and a woman. Mm. You're only upset because it's two dudes, and somehow that's so offensive. I think they're mostly upset that they made a gay libertarian. <laughs> Ooh. But, I mean, isn't that why everybody's libertarian? Because they're gay. <laughs> yes. Yes. My, I agree, actually. No need to inspect that further. I mean, the heart of libertarianism. No, no, I got what you meant. The heart of libertarianism is I get to do what I want, and you stay out of it. So, if you're libertarian, you should have no problem with him being a gay libertarian, because he's just minding his own business. Well, in the same theory, libertarians should have no problem with any religion, but they seem to really not like Islam. And they have. They also seem to really not like homosexuality, even though ideologically, yeah, they shouldn't have a problem with it. And they seem—it's almost like American libertarians are full of shit. And they seem to have a really hard time with drugs other than marijuana. Yeah. Which still seems to be the same thing. Well, they I also have a really hard time yeah. getting out of the left lane when they're going slower than the vehicles <laughs> behind them. The most authoritarian thing a libertarian can do is hog the left lane. Mm-hmm. That's tyranny. Well, I need you to go slow so you can appreciate my Gadsden flag sticker. I don't appreciate <laughs> it. I don't appreciate it. I know a libertarian that's on disability. <laughs> you know, th- that's not uncommon. But I know, but it I, is <laughs> like I saw a guy with a no quarter American flag yeah. next to a no quarter Gadsden flag on the back of his truck <laughs> with like Playboy bunnies on the rear windows. And I'm like, what kind of person is like, I'm a libertarian. The government should stay out of our business 
also the government should kill everybody. Mm-hmm. And a true libertarian would support Hustler, not Playboy. Exactly. Playboy is so authoritarian. I don't know what kind of month thing we would work it in, but The People versus Larry Flint would be a good movie to do. <laughs> Have you seen that with Woody Harrelson as Larry Flint? I, it's been a long time. Yeah. But yeah, so not that this is the enemy of the pod for the week. <laughs> okay, we'll get to that later, but go ahead. But I, I have been on a soapbox about this whole libertarian thing. Yeah, let it rip. Go off, King. Um, but all that aside, I think that episode's really good. Yes. Um, it's a lot of character development. We mm-hmm. spend a lot of time just to pull the rug out from under you in a, a tasteful way. Yeah. It didn't seem like the whole purpose of this was just to make you sad. It was, hey, we're showing you the world. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's world development. And, it, and I think it's really important. Although the show as a whole is kind of taking that tone. It's like, okay, we're purposely making you sad four episodes in a row. It's like, I, okay, give, give me some levity. I think it's purposely sad because... There's, I think that might be the source material, though. Well, and because like it's an apocalypse. Yeah. You're probably going to be sad a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, there there's nothing going on that would really make you happy you know what makes me sad government overreach exactly <laughs> the nanny state exactly <laughs> um a performance that stuck out to me that i really enjoyed and i think it's just because i like this actress was a uh, kathleen in the episode before last she's like the leader of that rebellion group that's hunting down the uh, mute boy and his brother Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, gosh. What's her name? Kathleen. Her real name. Uh, I can't remember the actress's name, but I loved her. Because she plays the crazy woman on Two and a Half Men. Oh, well, she plays one of the leads in a Yellow Jackets on Showtime. That's where I know her from. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And she's in, I think she's in something else. I can't remember what it is, but mm-hmm. uh, that I, I really liked her in. Yeah. But I can't remember off the top of my head. She does a good job with that, like, subdued so crazy that it's like bubbling under the surface yeah ready to just pop off at any minute and you don't know when it is like the scariest kind of crazy Mm -hmm. the i'm so in control i'm never gonna raise my voice no matter how upset i am like yeah you look at it like there's you can deal with crazy where you can see it and go man i know that i should be uneasy because i can't tell what this person's gonna do next Mm -hmm. and then there's the crazy where it's like right under the skin ready to go and you're like i know what you're gonna do next if you snap but I don't know when you're going to snap. She's almost got like that, like Nicole Kidman stare that just like makes a grown man squirm. Like he's being screamed at in for third grade. Yeah. She's, she really does a good job with that role. And she's so infuriating. Yeah. You watch it and you're just like, I hate you're messing up everything. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah. I know my revenge plan doesn't really, you know, make the most sense, but, uh, I'm upset, so I'm going to go through with it. Yeah, you're devoting all of these resources to finding this one guy and his deaf brother. Mm-hmm. Why? Just get over <laughs> it. Uh, anything else about The Last of Us that comes to mind? Nothing really uh, comes to mind. I I think the um, the last episode was good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if tomorrow's the se- or today's the season finale, if it is, like... I believe I, so. I bet it, like... I can't wait to see what's in store. Yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> I don't know why that made me. Stay tuned. I can't wait to see what's in store. <laughs> Sorry, general enthusiasm, or uh, genuine enthusiasm um, undercuts your... Oh, it's time for my stories. <laughs> yeah, my soaps are on. <laughs> oh, what have I been watching this past week? 
Uh, you can't say The Last of Us. No, I can't. Uh, I watched Creed, the first one. Yeah, they've got good music videos. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know you're joking, but I actually, I wouldn't mind a Creed biopic because I think Scott Stapp is just unlikable enough that you could be pretty honest <laughs> instead of the usual biopic where it's like artist propaganda. Yeah, but nobody does. How how many good solid biopics are there? Not many. And of musicians specifically, or just in general? And just in general, there's like, some good biopics. I don't. They seem a real whitewashy mm. on the whole, unless it's just a really bad person the, that we don't like, and they're like, yeah, it's, that they're able to like let loose on, and then it kind of goes too much the other way. It's like Hitler biopics; they usually don't pull punches. Yeah. But, you know, a George W. Bush biopic, eh, they're going to kind of skate over that whole no nuclear weapons in Iraq thing. Mm-hmm. The Oliver Stone Malcolm X movie with Denzel was pretty good, and it was reasonably fair. Yeah, I don't know if I saw that one. And I, yeah, I don't think I saw that yeah. one. Yeah, I also like the Ray, uh, Ray, the Ray Charles movie. That's a good biopic. Oh, anyway, back to Creed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what about Creed? Uh, it's not bad, man. I enjoyed it more than I thought it would. Uh, I saw that they had the first two on HBO, and the third one's out in theaters now, and I didn't have anything else going on, so I popped on the first one, and I liked it, but I grew up with the Rocky franchise. Are you fairly well-versed in Rocky? Well, you know that I don't have any of the uh, movie order down pat. Yeah. But, yeah, I've seen all of the original Rockies. Like, by original, I mean, like, the it, before the remakes yeah. started. Yeah, there's five in the original series, and then there's Rocky Balboa, the remake from like 05 or so, I think. I was always the biggest fan of uh, Ivan. Ivan Drago, that's uh, Rocky Four. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my fa- the favorite one. I, I don't like how they... It was kind of neat how they thought the Soviet Union was able to produce a super soldier. <laughs> um, and then you could just beat it with good old-fashioned American pig punching. Yeah. Uh, but really, I mean, the Russians would not have produced a super soldier. Uh, and if they had, Rocky couldn't have punched Pork until he could beat him. Yeah, I don't know how well Stallone would face up against like the Klitschko brothers or something. But, you know, I... Also, now I see a lot of Russian fighters and it's in those like weird MMA leagues. I've talked about it on the show before where they're injecting oil into their muscles and they just have this weird like bloat and it looks like they would it would hurt really bad if you got hit there. Yeah, that's got to be mostly aesthetic. For a time, I wanted an Ivan Drago tattoo on the top of my foot with a if he dies, he dies <laughs> under it. I mean, it's it's a good line. Yeah. So Creed. <laughs> so Creed, yeah. yeah. What about Creed? Michael B. Jordan does a pretty good job in it. I think so. Uh I don't know how much of the original staff was involved. I don't think Stallone, other than acting in it, had much to do. Like Usually, like he wrote and directed the first two Rockies. Right. So usually he's heavily involved, but with this one, I think he was just acting. And how for, old is uh, S- Stallone at this point? Uh, today? Yeah. He's got to be mid-70s, I think. Oh. I will give him credit that he's the one action star that's actually honest about using steroids. Yeah. Everyone else lies. It's like, oh, you know, it's nutrition. It's, you know, I got a personal trainer. And he's like, oh, no, HGH. It's good stuff. Uh." Didn't Arnold admit to being on steroids? I don't know. He had to be. Uh, I don't deny. I don't doubt that. But I don't think he ever admitted to it. Oh, well. So how would you compare his performance in Creed 
to his breakout performance in a Rambo The, the Last Stallion? Blood. <laughs> I don't know you'd call that the breakout performance. That it's was like when the, it's literally the last thing he's done. That was when he really hit came into his step. own. <laughs> you know, when he's like popping that guy's collarbone out with the butt of a knife, you know, it's that's when I knew he was a star. That's when there's something special to this Stallone I, kid. I watched that movie and said, this guy's going places. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Uh, in Creed, he's dying of cancer. So you get to see like a balding Stallone, which I've never seen. Uh, they just copied Archer on that one. The cartoon Archer? Yeah, when he uh, when he gets cancer and he goes on rampages while on chemo. Well, he doesn't do that. He's just like, he's smoking weed, has his chemo meds, which turns out to just be a sugar replacement. Mm. <laughs> it's a stevia. This, this like Italian mob or Irish mob mm. had started like selling chemo meds that were yeah. just sugar water. Well, I know when you're on chemo, they'll give you like anabolic steroids to like give you energy and help you like get through it. I remember our friend Lucas had a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in high school and he was talking about roid raging out on his mom. It's like... Lucas, what do you want for dinner, honey? I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I love Archer. (laughs) Anyway, so Creed. (laughs) Yeah, it was good, man. It was good to see a nice modern Philly movie. Uh, You were telling me the uh, 12 O'Clock Boys or whatever? Yeah, there's a... You get to see the Philadelphia dirt bike ATV scene in it. It's represented. There's a... Nice dramatic montage where he's running up an asphalt hill and all of the youth of Philadelphia are popping wheelies beside him on dirt bikes while orchestral music swells. It was a nice scene. All of the youth. Yeah. All (laughs) of the youth of Philadelphia on par with the Eye of the Tiger montage from Rocky Three. Perfect. Yes. Although I don't know that they call themselves 12 O'Clock Boys. That might be specific to Baltimore, which that documentary is on Showtime, if anyone's curious about that subculture. Why don't you briefly explain what that is? So 12 O'Clock Boys 12 words or less. uh, Inner city black communities use all-terrain vehicles in Baltimore. That's I don't know if that's 12 words. Did you count? No, I didn't. I didn't count either. (laughs) I assumed I was under the count. Close. Yeah. Well, 12 O'Clock Boys is a documentary about it, that community in Baltimore. 12 O'Clock Boys referencing popping a willy and being straight up and down. Oh. That's why they call themselves 12 O'Clock Boys. Oh, just up to general mayhem and, and chaos? Uh, I don't think they like vandalize or anything. I think they just like to ride ATVs on asphalt. Oh, okay. Yeah. But maybe. Uh, Like I said, I think... Well... I don't want this to be taken the wrong don't way. Don't even do it. Don't even do it. But if you were to commit a crime and you needed a getaway vehicle, a dirt bike is an excellent choice. It's an okay choice, depending on the environment. Mm-hmm. Well, And you're not going to like hold a lot on you. Like You got a duffel bag, maybe? A backpack. You can watch if you fit in like a safe in a backpack. You can, fit, you can fit a bunch of stacks in there. You rob a bank. You ain't taking the whole vault, but you're yeah, taking... You rob a bank, you get like 300 bucks. What? Yeah, you don't rob banks like you used to. Nah, man. <laughs> You're not like going into a bank and get and walking out with a hundred grand. I heard statistically that sixty percent of bank robbers get away with it. Uh, I don't know if that's true. I, I know of one person who robbed a bank, and he did they get away with it? No, oh. <laughs> he did not get away with it. Well, Ryan Gosling made it look real easy in Place Beyond the Pines when he robs a bank on a dirt bike. 
Well, and you know, um, Heist made it look fairly easy. Heist? Was that a movie? Yeah. Who's in that? Oh, sorry. Heat. Heat. Okay. Do they use dirt bikes? No. No. No, but they just okay. rob a bank and look pretty easy about it. Yeah. We're just talking about people making it look easy. <laughs> all right, all right. But well, no, you don't get to rob banks like you used to. Yeah, no, you don't. Oh, Wood Harris is in Creed. It's always nice to see Wood Harris. Who's Wood Harris? Uh, he played Avon Barksdale in The Wire. He was in Remember the Titans. The thing I always think about him for is in the 90s, he did a biopic on uh, Jimi Hendrix, and I think it was just called Hendrix, and he did a great job with that. It's a million times better than that Andre Benjamin biopic. Mm. All right. So you want to move into our enemies of the pod segment before we jump into face off? We can do that. All right. I can't stop crying. Fuck you, you suck. Fuck you, asshole. Fuck you, asshole. Who's got an enemy this week? Mm, why don't you have an enemy this week? All right. Well, my enemy this week is that 17-year-old boy lying on my man, Ja Morant. Ooh, why don't you uh, talk about that, uh, all that saucy drama? Okay. So, I shared this story like a couple months ago when it was first reported that allegedly a 17-year-old boy was at Ja Morant's house playing some pickup basketball. Things get heated. The boy throws the ball in Ja Morant's face. This is what both sides of the story say, his side and the kid's side. He instigated it. Who's he? The 17-year-old boy. I don't. His name hasn't been released to the public. Okay. Uh, from so there, our boy Ja, though, he's, he's good at this point. Like he's, he's not done anything wrong to anybody at this point in the story. No. Okay, perfect. It, as of this point in the story, no. Uh, now, from there, the, from Ja's side of the story is he knocked the kid down and told him to get the fuck out. You know, yeah, it's not right for a 22-year-old to punch a 17-year-old in the face, but that's not the worst thing a celebrity can do to a minor. I disagree. Uh, you know, you want to be 17-year-olds and hit somebody with a basketball, you get punched in the face and knocked down. Yeah. It doesn't I grow- think that's fair. I, I don't think you get to just a pa- get a pass because you're 17. That's a grown-ass man. But uh, it's now gotten more details that weren't with the original story, and that raises suspicion for me, because now the story is that Ja hit him 12 to 13 times, went inside his house, came out with a gun in his waistband with his hand on it. So, you say he went inside his house. So, is Ja playing at a basketball court in front of Ja's house? Yeah, he has his own court, I assume. Okay. So, like, does he invite people to play ball with him or they just show up how's that happen yeah so his family has a history of like running basketball camps in their hometown in south carolina he's always done community outreach like that he was probably being nice to this kid and the kid decided to be a little asshole and got smacked up for it ungrateful got smacked down brought disrespect Mm -hmm. into jaw's home into the home of the grizzly and then jaw in perfectly reasonable sense may or may not have stood his ground yeah I think in Jaws' uh, version, he says the kid was walking at him and it was self-defense. But there's no gun in Jaws' version. No, there's no gun in Jaws' version of the story. Now, didn't you, weren't you telling me something about Jaws playing with handguns somewhere else? Yes, that was yesterday morning. Mm. Uh, as all the stories break in, uh, Saturday morning there's an Instagram story from Jaws where he's in a nightclub 
and he's got a gun out and he's waving it around having a good time. That's that's not good. You well, shouldn't do that. Also, but, what's this footlocker thing? Let's talk about that too. Okay, that's another incident. That one uh supposedly his mom got into it with a footlocker employee, John ja Morant's mom. John ja Morant shows up with nine guys and he says, When does this guy get off work? You know, kind of threatening and intimidating the guy. But nothing happens to the guy. So your enemy of the pod may be the 17-year-old victim of Ja Morant. Yes, I'm victim-blaming here. Because may or may not be the victim. Uh, but, and, and I think we talked about this yesterday, there was this gun thing at the initial incident. That's a new detail, right? That he flashed the gun in his waistband? Yes, yeah. that's a new detail. So we don't know if that's true or not. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't look good with him flashing the gun in an Instagram story, though. And also, if he actually showed up to Foot Locker with nine guys, yeah, threatening to beat up a guy who probably might have been fair to his mother, yeah, maybe his mother sucks. I, maybe I shouldn't say that so that he it sounds like you're up, trying to get a gun in your so face. So that doesn't show up to your house with <laughs> nine, nine guys. guys. I'll help him. He'll have ten guys. <laughs> well, it's like yeah, that's him. That's the guy that said that shit. Uh. Anyway, John's been suspended for two games over it. Which, they're back-to-back games with LA, the Lakers, and the Clippers, so they ought to be fine, because both of those teams fucking stink right now. Well. In more bad Grizzlies news, Brandon Clark is out for the season with an Achilles. It sounds like your enemy of the pot is the Grizzlies. No, it's that kid. This is all his fault. He set this in motion by being a little ungrateful bitch. Okay. So that's the enemy of the pod this week. It's unnamed 17-year-old in Memphis. I can't say I'm fully on board with this one. Uh, it sounds to me like he may have been a little bit of a prat, mm. but Ja, in true celebrity athlete fashion, may have gone a little overboard and maybe living up the lifestyle a bit too much. Yeah, that's what everyone keeps saying. Everyone keeps making uh, Clarence from 8 Mile jokes at him because I guess his parents are still <laughs> married and that's something he should be ashamed of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe the 17-year-old was just like, fuck the free world. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's what started it off? Yes. They said, fuck the free world. They were playing basketball. Clarence said, fuck the free world. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who would be the b rab in this scenario. It's I guess the 17-year-old. Uh no, because it's uh, it's Cheddar that says fuck the free world. Yeah, who's beefing with John Morant in the NBA most right now, I guess? Yeah, probably Draymond Green. That's the B-Rabbit. <laughs> oh, that's fine. All right. Well, so the anime pod is a random 17-year-old. Well, I guess that is the segue into the next section. Yeah, well, I believe we're ready to jump into face-off. You ready, bud? I am. All right. Okay, so, wow, it's like 
You're gonna be in here for the next hundred years. I have got to go. I've got a government job to abuse. Face Off, written or written by Mike Werb, who uh, his credits here might explain why this movie is so fucking silly. He wrote the screenplay for The Mask. He wrote the screenplay for Lara Croft Tomb Raider. He wrote the I'm screen- sorry, what? Lara. It's not Laura. Lara Croft Tomb Raider. That's the first one. That's gross. Uh, and he... <laughs> the Will Ferrell Curious George movie. <laughs> and he also did that god-awful Tekken adaptation from 2009. So this guy's on my shit list just for that. Uh, it was directed by John Woo. Famous, uh, iconic Hong Kong action film director. The inventor of bullet time. The inventor of gold-plated guns and doves. Gun Fu is... Uh, the term most associated with him. He invented Gung Fu? He invented Gun Fu. Him and Chow Young Fat together. Wow, that's just that's magnificent. That's probably why I got my wires crossed when I was talking to you yesterday and I said he did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but no, that was Ang Lee. But Chow Young Fat was in Crouching Tiger. And oh. he was in most of John Woo's movies. Oh. Yeah. Written by Mike Werb, uh, starring Nicolas Cage, John Travolta, Nick Cassavetes, Margaret Cho, Joan Allen, and Danny Masterson. You know, before we get too far into this, I just want to point out that Danny Masterson plays the same character in everything, and it's also his real life persona. Yes, rapist. He he's a monster. He's a sexual monster. Yeah. Oh, some smaller roles that I thought were fun was a uh, in the prison whenever uh, Nicholas Cage is about to get his brain zapped. The doctor that's strapping him in is a uh, TV host Joe Bob Briggs from The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob on Shutter. And personal hero of mine and i don't know if you uh, go oh, ahead thomas jane was also in the prison is that that's, who you're about to say that's what i was gonna say like I, i'm pretty sure thomas jane was yeah one of the random inmates mm-hmm. yeah he's the one that's talking to pollux and troy uh the cinematography was done by oliver wood who's done die hard 2 talladega nights and the born franchise the budget for this film was 80 million dollars with the box office return of 245 million so about four times its budget it made back. Well earned. Well earned. So Face Off's got a pretty interesting plot. I do not envy you right now. Oh, it's real easy. Uh, so Nicholas Cage, uh, he he plays an international terrorist. And John Travolta plays some black site CIA, FBI agent, counterterrorism guy mm-hmm. whose operations are off the books. Uh, he's got a personal vendetta against Nicolas Cage because Nicolas Cage, in an, uh, an assassination attempt of John Travolta, shot through John Travolta and hit John Travolta's son, five years old or whatever, yeah. and kills him. Um, so lifelong vendetta against Nicolas Cage. Early on in the movie, John Travolta very successfully uh, kills Mm -hmm. Nicolas Cage with a jet engine. Knocks him into a coma. Yeah. Well, yeah. Presumably he's dead at this point of the scene. This might be the rare instance where it's easier to use the character name than the actor names. Or they might be just as confusing. I think it's going to be confusing either way. Okay. Um, 
But I'm going to stick with actor names. All right. But, so Nicolas Cage gets pushed through this jet engine, or not not through it, but behind it, blasted against a grate. It's like a testing tunnel. Mm -hmm. And for all intents and purposes at this point, Nicolas Cage is dead. John Travolta's like, I've finally done it. I've killed the man that killed our son. I can go on and live a happy life. I'm not gay. He he says that a lot in this movie for some reason. <laughs> um, so almost immediately after he's like, honey, I'm back in the home. This is going to be perfect. Well, they drag him back in and they're like, turns out we, you know, we captured his little brother. There's probably a bomb somewhere. And uh, we need you to figure out where it is. And the only way to do it is we're going to take your face off. And we're going to take Nicolas Cage's face off. Because, oh, by the way, Nicolas Cage is just in a coma. They do say face off a lot in this movie. Then they're going to put Nicolas Cage's face on your face. Then we're going to do some skin grafts, some hair grafts. We're going to make you look exactly like him. You're going to go to prison. You're going to trick his brother into telling you where the bomb is. And then we're going to get you out of the prison. Perfect. Flawless plan. Anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. So. It makes all the sense in the world. So at this point, Nicolas Cage, who is John Travolta's character, goes to prison. And he's like, hey, little bro. Uh, what? Um, what did we do with that bomb? <laughs> and his little brother's like, oh, yeah, this is where we put it. Yeah, it's in the L.A. Convention Center. Yeah, it's a big chemical weapon. It's in the L.A. Convention Center. It's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. While this is going on, um, Nicolas Cage's body wakes up, puts John Travolta's face on, kills everybody who knows about the secret operation so that nobody knows they've faced off. Yeah, so they mentioned that they use laser hair removal to push Travolta's hairline back to <laughs> yes. match Nicolas Cage's. But how does he get his hairline to come forward to match John Travolta's? I already mentioned it. Hair grafts. I... The hair plugs. They work. They do them. I mean, they never look good, but they do them. 1997 hair plugs? Hey, man. They're taking their- Do you their remember the Bosley commercials, bro? Uh, you know, what's you're getting caught up about this, and you seem to be overlooking the fact that they're just cutting faces off yeah. and putting them on someone else's face. And the fact that their teeth are completely different because their face shapes and are different. their body structures. They give yeah. each other abs. They take away abs. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty sure Travolta is significantly bigger, even though in the movie they explained, it was like, oh, you're about the same height. It's like, no, I think Travolta is like much bigger than Nicolas Cage. The only thing they can't fix, blood type. Yeah. They can change your voice. They can't change blood types. Wow. I mean, at least explain the teeth with dentures. Come on. So... Nicolas Cage's character is now John Travolta. Mm -hmm. And John Travolta's character is now Nicolas Cage. So from here on out, every reference to Nicolas Cage and John Travolta is going to be them playing the counter of where they started in the movie. Mm -hmm. So Nicolas Cage is now the good guy. But looks like the bad guy. No, 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 no. You're getting mistaken. Nicolas Cage is now the good guy. He's in prison. He's the good guy that looks like the bad guy. Travolta is the bad guy that looks like the good guy. No, 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 no. Nicholas that Cage. That is 1,000%. I'm going to fucking you're, strangle you're you, mixing God this, You're damn making this you. way too complicated. At this point in the mo movie, Nicholas Cage, the actor, is playing the good guy. And John Travolta is now the bad guy. Correct. Correct. Don't complicate it any more than that. <laughs> Don't say another word. 
<laughs> so, Nicolas Cage is in prison. John Travolta's on the outside. John Travolta goes to visit Nicolas Cage and he says, Hey, Nicolas Cage, guess what? I stole your face and your body and what, your wife. What he exactly says is, Ooh-wee, you're good looking. <laughs> that is you're so ex- hot. That is exactly what he says. And um, at that point, he's like, Nicholas Cage is, they're going to know who I am. And he's like, John Travolta's like, nope, I killed everybody. Yeah, how did that happen? <laughs> he got his boys to come in, he round everybody up. Everyone that knew about this. Like, the, he- the director of the FBI doesn't know. Correct. The only people that know are, like, the John Travolta's then, like, assistant guy. Yeah. Um, the doctors that did it and some random woman and they're all torched in this lab but don't worry because at the end of the movie all this secret science is like totally known by other people oh who knows yeah i guess that surgeon wasn't that important since they're able to reverse it after he's burnt to death no they acted like he was just the only guy that could do this completely wrong (laughs) anyway so then the faces have come off. They've been swapped. Like some sort of face-off. We're not there yet. <laughs> so, simultaneously, Nicolas Cage is staging a prison break in a massive prison with, like, maglock floors. Everybody has, like, magnetic shoes. Yeah. He's staging a prison break. So fucking stupid. <laughs> yes. And how does he get out of prison? He... Talks to the guy that he had just gotten in a fight in. Like Nicholas Cage is about to get electrocuted to, to be sane. He talks to the guy who he'd almost killed, and he's like, "I didn't have sex with your mom and your sister. Now let's get out of here." <laughs> and the guy's like, "Okay, yeah, because the, guy, the guy's just been lobotomized with shock therapy, but now he's totally competent and yeah. able to use guns and stuff." And, like, Nicolas Cage is, like, arbitrarily deciding who gets killed and who doesn't. Yeah, he kills some guards, and then he goes to kill another one. He's like, no, don't. No, 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 we don't have to kill this one. (laughs) What about those other two? The whole movie is, like, Nicolas Cage is now selectively not killing people. Mm -hmm. And then also killing others. (laughs) Meanwhile, John Travolta's on the outside. He goes back. He has sex with his wife. He almost has sex with his daughter mm-hmm. in some weird scene where he like sees her in her underwear, sniffs her hair, and bums a smoke off of her. And sings Papa's Got a Brand New Bag by James Brown. Correct. Then John Travolta, armed with all of his sneaky knowledge, goes and disarms this bomb in the L.A. Convention Center that nobody else can disarm, not even the bomb techs becomes like the country's hero and then he just proceeds to like run amok and sexually assault every woman he meets like a real fbi agent <laughs> so nicholas cage busts out of jail he's like i can't let this guy have sex with my wife anymore <laughs> <laughs> that's basically the movie uh nicholas cage uh bust out hangs out with some drug dealers kills some fbi agents um he hangs out with travolta's old crew Hangs out with, yes. Nick Cassavetes. Hangs out with the drug-running, gun-running bomb makers. Uses them to go to war with the FBI, led by John Travolta. In some sort of face-off. 
we're not there yet. <laughs> Excuse me. But what's funny about all this is everything that Nicolas Cage is doing to take down the bad guy is war with the FBI, mm-hmm. killing prison guards. And everything that John Travolta is doing is killing gang members with the FBI. Yes. <laughs> Disarming bombs. Like, it, it, it's wild. It's a crazy movie. Insane. It's an interesting idea on counterterrorism in a pre-9-11 world. Whoa, don't even get that deep with it. Yeah. Well, just but, in that, like, pre-9-11, you could make, like, a counterterrorism movie that's just, like, absolutely nutty and nonsensical like this. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and, and Matt's right. Like, this is just so much fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously like any post-9-11 counterterrorism movie. Yeah. This uh, isn't Zero Dark Thirty. But to make a long story short... Nicholas Cage and John Travolta face off. For <laughs> he said it. He fucking said it. For like the last 30 minutes of the movie, they face off in a church. They face off on boats. On boats. Um, they face off in a shipping or like in a yeah shipping yard. Face off at John Travolta's house. Ultimately, they start fighting and John Travolta's like, Hey, you're never going to get your face back and starts trying to cut his face off with like a shard of glass or a shard of metal. Uh-huh. And uh, Nicolas Cage ends up harpooning him. And then Nicolas Cage gets his face back and now he's John Travolta again. And everything's good. Everything's good. There's been so much carnage. Mm. Yeah, like 50 people died just in the events of this movie, not to mention all of Nicolas Cage's previous victims. So, all in all, the movie is insane. You got uh, gold-plated guns. Mm-hmm. He, you know, Nicolas, Ca- Nicolas Cage can <laughs> eat a peach for hours. Yeah. So, the most interesting thing about this movie is that you've got two actors playing the same two characters. And I think that makes like a perfect contrast because Nicolas Cage is acting fucking circles around Travolta. Travolta tries to match that Cage energy, but it just comes across weird when he's doing it. Correct. So you've got you've got Nicolas Cage, who's a real Italian, acting <laughs> crazy as Nicolas Cage does, mm-hmm. who is acting a crazy character, and then you've got John Travolta going, "I have to act." Like Nicolas Cage acting like a crazy person. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Nicolas Cage going, all right, I've got to act like Like John Travolta acting like me. Mm -hmm. It's the Malkovich shit. It is. It's really well done. Yeah. And you don't usually associate the word subtlety with Nicolas Cage performances, but he's able to work way more nuance into his than Travolta is in his performance, in my opinion, because he'll be doing these over-the-top crazy gestures as Caster Troy, that's the terrorist name. Uh, He'll be doing these, and then he'll have these, like, quick little, like, winces where he's, like, feeling bad about it because he's the actual uh, Sean Archer, the FBI agent. Yeah, I mean, you just say, oh, it's so much confusing now. I don't even know who we're talking about. Bringing up the character names confused it. (laughs) The movie's confusing in the sense of just the plot's confusing. It's not an easy plot to explain. No, but it's you did easy, your best. It's and an I easy applaud. plot to watch. Yeah. It's not an easy plot to explain mm-hmm. because they're just taking their faces off and then they face off. Wait. So like some kind of face off. 
There's a face off. Oh shit. Their face is off and there's a face Between off. Between who? Oh. <laughs> Nicholas Cage as John Travolta and John Travolta as Nicholas Cage. I will say, you're right. John Travolta is just like acting like John Travolta crazy. Mm-hmm. When he's supposed to be acting like Nicholas Cage crazy. Yeah. And Nicholas Cage is acting like John Travolta, but embodied by Nicholas Cage. Yeah. So it's like Nicholas Cage's performance is true and good. And John Travolta's is inauthentic. And weird. And weird. And off putting. It is off putting. Oh, I was wrong yesterday when I told you this was PG thirteen. I don't know why I thought that. They say fuck like twenty times and it's very bloody. I was like, I guess it makes sense that that's why he says plum, but I thought he just no, said plum peach. peach, sorry, peach. Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck eats a plum for an- you trying to shit? <laughs> Oh, no, that's prune. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think plum for hours. I think okay, he, <laughs> dude. Whatever. I think he said, I can eat a peach for hours because he's crazy. Yeah. And then he says, come over here and let me suck. <laughs> he says, come over here and suck my tongue. If I were to send you flowers, what address? What? No, <laughs> actually, what I meant was, if I were to let you suck my tongue, would you be grateful? And then she just starts sucking his tongue. And she's an FBI agent. He's very persuasive. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's just scared of dying. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I will say, like, the plane chase scene is really good. Yeah. Um, the plane wreck scene is really good. The shootout in the uh, the gang headquarters is really good. The boat chase is really good. Everything about this movie is really good, except for John Travolta. Yeah. And, you know, like, the plot, the concept, the, uh, the conceit. The plot is fun. It's good. It's interesting, and it's unique. Mm. It's confusing to explain, but it's fun. It's probably the most fun I've had with a movie in a long time. I love this movie. Somehow, like, the prison scenes in this movie are even more unrealistic than Ricky O. Riccio is a more believable prison movie than this with no. the magnet boots and the giant display monitor that he can just put power into the screens and make explode. Well, it's clearly like trying to be uh, hyper futuristic yes. in two regards. Well, it's got that very 90s thing where anytime there's a computer screen, it's like cartoon shit. It's like Correct. not how any computer like interfaces well like hacker virus kind of yeah. stuff like naked it's ladies like a, a bunny rabbit going ah, what's up doc yeah like or, it's, it's clearly like yeah a that. naked lady popping and saying you have a virus on your computer now fuck you um but it's super futuristic in two regards yeah. of this weird face swapping technology mm-hmm. where they're able to take a face off <laughs> and put a different face on and they've got like this weird clear face sucking off mask mm. that once they cut your face out. It's just a face shaped suction cup. It, <laughs> they make it, it look like such an important tool. It goes on your face, sucks your face off of your head. They could have done this with salad tongs. And then drops your face in a jail. <laughs> and then they put your new face on. And then they just skate over the immense amount of science that's going into reconstructing a person to be exactly like the other person 
that they're taking the face off of to put on you. Yeah. And then there's like, oh, we have a voice modulator. I just need you to say I could suck a peach like four times and you're going to talk exactly like the other guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and then um, John Travolta's wife tests his blood under uh, a microscope because she works at a hospital, finds out the blood don't doesn't match. And she's like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. their faces have been taken off <laughs> and swapped like some kind of face off. Wow. Ain't that so incredible. Yeah, and it's it shows at a couple different points in the movie that uh, the Sean Archer character, the FBI agent, uh, Nick Cage, for most of the film, he knows a whole lot more about Caster Troy than Caster Troy knows about him. He's able to play the role better because he's been chasing this guy for six years. Correct. Whereas uh, Caster Troy, he just basically knows Archer's name and that he's married and that he killed his son. And he just crazies his way through it. Yeah. And nobody noticed. They're like, man, he's being really weird. All of a sudden, John Travolta's like grabbing his secretary's ass in front of everybody, and they're just like, "Huh?" I mean, he's going through a lot right now. He's yeah. on a journey. He's on a journey. That's your excuse for everyone's <laughs> bad behavior, is that they're on a journey. Look, LaBeouf's on a journey. I think that journey ended, bro. I don't know what's I think his. I think that's the end of the line for the old, the old shyster. Don't get to say that. <laughs> I just did. There's a really old attorney around that has a license plate that says shyster. You told me about and that. I really can't. <laughs> I, I cannot approve. <laughs> oh. God. Anyway. Yeah. I think for what the, the movie doesn't pretend to be anything other than what it is. No. In that regard, it gets really high. Would you call it sci-fi? I would. Yeah, it's sci-fi. Yeah. It's a sci-fi it's set in current movie. day but it's sci-fi yeah it, it's sci-fi it's soft sci-fi it's a crime movie it's kind of like point break but the faces come on <laughs> like some and, sort of and just like point break <laughs> there's a face off <laughs> point break is a pretty good comparison um it's like a wackier zanier point break although I will say the movie that it does have the most in common is also written by the same screenwriter. And that's, I do think it has a lot in common with the mask. Jim carries the mask with the, I, I agree. The zany line delivery, the like, I don't know how to it's put it. It's over the top. Yeah. It's absolutely over the top, but well done. Mm-hmm. Like it is just the, there. it's just chaotic and, but it, it's also refined in some regard. Yeah. It it's it's like a serious movie. Like you could put it in the same camp as like Bad Boys mm-hmm. or uh, Point Break or uh, what some other big. Uh, well, I was gonna say it's the quintessential blockbuster. It's the archetypical summer right. movie. It's just it's two guys, one guy, whatever, fighting crime, going after somebody. It is just it's the quintessential blockbuster, like you say. But then all of a sudden. There's this other layer of the mask. Yeah. Just thrown on top of it. And in fact, there are two masks. <laughs> because when the face comes off and it's put on the other person, it changes that person's behavior. I'm not saying it again. Because they have to embody that character. So it's like each person, when their face comes off, 
it's like a mask. Jim carries the mask, and they then have to face off. Mm-hmm. It's perfect, and they say face off so many times more than we've said so far this episode i know we're being cute but they say it a lot it's so much fun Mm -hmm. i can't believe that i put off watching this movie for as long as i did this is your first watch it it. is okay because i always thought this is the dumbest concept for a movie and it is it's not (laughs) it's the concept is the same as any of the other blockbuster summer hits no, no, it's not. There's literally no other movie like Face Off. It's like if somebody's it's one of a kind. It's like if somebody said they're in a pitch meeting and they're like, okay, you guys remember how cool it was when Keanu Reeves laid back on a uh, laid down on his back and shot his gun in the air and went, ah, what if he did that, but his face had been taken off? <laughs> and they were like, okay, go on. It's like, you ever seen The Mask? <laughs> what if it's that? What if everybody's Jim Carrey? Here's $80 million. You Godspeed. And then he comes back with 240. Yeah. And he says, you're welcome. (laughs) The Wooster. Do you know how many other movies this had to face off against? (laughs) I will say the the gun foo was definitely instrumental in movies that came out two years later. The Matrix and Equilibrium, both heavily inspired by John Woo. And probably this specifically. They, it's... It's not tacky. No. It's over the top. But it's the a more subtle bu- bullet time than you see in those films. But, but you know... Um, the only egregious one I saw is like in the beginning in the airplane hangar. Somebody gets shot with a shotgun and you see the wire pull them straight up and then back. <laughs> well, what got me is toward the end in the church scene... Mm-hmm. Um, with the doves. Don't forget the doves. The doves. So many doves. Um, there's a machine pistol that gets brought out and it has no extended mag. It's just a machine pistol that probably held like 16, 17, 18 rounds. And he has to fire at least 45 rounds through it before reloading. Is that one gold plated? No, or is it just the 1911? It's just the 1911s. Springfield Armory shout out. The 1911s in the movie are uh, branded Springfield Armory. Are those good? I don't know. Par for the course, I think. Yeah. Nothing, uh, nothing too over the top. I mean, they were gold plated, which I think yeah. <laughs> wouldn't really be the best for it. But I don't know. They look cool. Oh, you use a soft metal to shoot a soft metal. It makes all the sense in the world, Michael. When the brass is harder than the gold, I don't know if you want to like. <laughs> I was talking about lead and gold. <laughs> every time, every casing that comes out chips away the gold. <laughs> no, it just mushes it a little bit. <laughs> By the end of the movie, they've just gotten melted guns. <laughs> but there's a really funny scene at the very beginning where John Travolta and Nicolas Cage, they're still their original characters. They're facing off. They've got the, <laughs> their guns pointed at each other. And he's like, one of them says, you've got one round left. And he go, and the other one goes, you've got one round left, too. And he's like, I see you know my guns. And then they're wrong. And then <laughs> Nicholas Cage pulls the trigger, and he had no no rounds left, and it just clicks. And it, it, that's so much fun. <laughs> but I will say, Nicholas Cage's performance is it's over the top. It's got some zaniness to it. Mm-hmm. It's chaotic. Like the first scene with the choir girl, 
Yeah, where he's like circle head banging to handles hallelujah. <laughs> and then he gets like right behind her and just like grabs her ass before running off. Yeah. Oh, and Nicolas Cage has the fucking worst Caesar do ever in this movie. It looks so shitty. Yeah, Caesar dude's not well, Caesar dude doesn't really look on good on any white guy, but especially not a white guy with like a very narrow, gaunt face. The white guy I worked on the best was probably like Clooney in this era, but he's got kind of a broad forehead. Yeah. I, Even when it, they're like lasering it, when they're doing the surgery scene, I'm like, oh, this looks so bad. It it wasn't look great. No. But what else? Uh, I like the scene where Danny Masterson gets beat up. Um, So, yes. So Danny Masterson shows up and he's like sexually assaulting John Travolta's daughter in the back of a a corvette like an 86 corvette is that your phone oh yeah it is i'm usually giving you such a hard time you are aren't you you, you give me I a hard am. time a lot i am um so danny masterson is he's being a real high sexually assaulting he's being a real hide he's being a real danny masterson uh sexually assaulting john travolta's daughter and john travolta who is now who is nick cage at this point in the movie uh, he like, stands and watches for a minute. Yeah, well, he's turned on by. He's very <laughs> attracted to his not daughter. Yeah, and who's like sixteen? I mean, those are the <laughs> don't whatever you're gonna say. I was gonna say nothing's harder than not your daughter, <laughs> but then you threw in the sixteen part, and I had to like slam on the brakes. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> oh gosh, but. <laughs> Nothing's hotter than not your daughter. <laughs> and then he goes to like, he just beats the ever shit out of Danny Masterson. Yeah, he like stomps through the driver's side window. Um, it's so good. Uh, a little trivia, the Nicolas Cage and his brother, they're named uh, Castor and Pollux, which is a callback to Greek mythology. Those are uh, the Gemini twins. Oh, wow. It's interesting. Yep, the constellation Gemini is named after him. The constellations named after Nicholas Cage and his brother. Correct. Wow, <laughs> the Greeks were way ahead of their time. It's like they had some kind of face-off with whom? Uh, other city states. <laughs> Athens. Mm-hmm. What else you got? While he's doing that, this episode's brought to you by Blue Apron. I really wish you'd stop doing fake ads because I'd like to make like, <laughs> never mind. I'm not giving anyone free advertisement. I was going to talk about sports betting, but then I was like, no, I'm not even going to say the app that I use. Fucking pay me. <laughs> oh, man. I will say there's a really fun scene where John Travolta uh, gives... Uh, his daughter a butterfly knife for self-defense yeah this is after the danny masterson assault yes and it's like it's not even a butterfly knife with like a flat edge it's a butterfly knife with a curve like a curved blade that you would see on like a mongolian sword yeah from like uh mulan or something forget what style of blade that is but it's just like the real wavy blade not a scimitar but like a really broad it, version of that almost it, like a pirate sword it's a wavy blade yeah and so he gives her this double-edged butterfly knife does a little display to show you like how cool butterfly knives are in the 90s i mean and butterfly then, knives are pretty cool anytime 
They're the fedora. Bad Adam. They're the fedora of, ha- of knives. Man, as a knife expert, I do not appreciate that. The butterfly knife is interesting. It's a cool design. I know it's got its application. It's a it's fidget toy. The fedora neck beard of knives. You cannot disagree with that. I would say the switchblade is. No, switchblade predates neckbeards. Well, so does not the butterfly knife. But, not biologically, but like switchblades had a <laughs> What do place. you mean not biologically? Spiritually? <laughs> no, like but like You fucking a, ass. A switchblade biologically You ass a switchblade cannot predate a neckbeard because neckbeards had to exist at as soon as the earliest beard existed. Which has to be before switchblades. So I, I guess it, it exists before <laughs> metal. So, before forging. Yes, that's my point. <laughs> Switchblades have a purpose. They were used to just like sneakily kill people, like or quickly kill people. Well, you say Uh, the same thing about the Basson. Isn't that the technical name for the butterfly knife? I don't know. It's a French thing, I think. I thought that was a place that all the trains went to. Busson. This is Busson. Oh, sorry. Or Balasson. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. I don't know, man. Point is, I think butterfly knives have taken on a persona of the same kind of guy that buys a katana mm. and says, this is a, a combat grade katana. <laughs> I can definitely cut down a person with this. And they just hit trees in their backyard with it. Michael, the knife expert at the mall told me otherwise. Okay. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he also, are you calling the guy at Spencer's gifts a liar? Yes. <laughs> yes. I know most blades don't have a painting of Snoop lion on them, but this one does. And it's, legitimate this yeah. is special forces type shit he's lying to you <laughs> anyway i think the butterfly knife became like this icon of the 90s that when you see somebody with it today you're like what are you gonna do cut your own finger off before you try to stab me like i don't see one and get intimidated mm. if somebody had a switchblade i'd be a little intimidated like a real switchblade and not just like a, button a comb re- not like a button release swivel out mm-hmm. Like, but if you've got an actual switchblade, that's scary. I feel like only a person with a switchblade, like, they, if they have one, like, they really want to stab you with it. I don't know. I feel like pop culture has trained me that when I see a sli- switchblade for at least five seconds, I'm going, is that a comb? Is that a real knife or is that a comb? Yes, but even the comb ones were swivel outs. Hmm. And also, most of your prop knives, like, the easiest one to make is, like, the switchblade that isn't sharp, that just, like, goes back in and retracts. Well, that's not a switchblade, though. That's just a prop knife. Well, yeah, but the prop... It functions the same. Except the prop knife usually is a fixed blade. It's always out and then retracts when you stab. Anyway, this is not this is not the point of any of this. When knife experts collide. Not a knife expert. Anyone butter- can be a knife expert, so yes, we are. <laughs> I think butterfly knives are cringe. Okay. You think it's a wallet chain kind of thing? Wallet chains are at least like practical-ish. They make sure your bill of lading doesn't get left on the counter. Your what? Bill of lading. Is that what you call your wallet? No, that's what you call your bill of lading. That shows about like the cargo you've picked up that you're taking places. Oh my God, we're not doing this. (laughs) No, seriously, what is a bill of lading? A bill of lading is a, a... The document that shows like the cargo you're picking up and delivering. And the wallet chain was intended for truck drivers 
So they would have their bills of lighting in like a long wallet. And if they were like, went to put their wallet up somewhere with it or went to like pick up a load or drop off a load, they'd get their bill of lighting stamped and they wouldn't leave it behind because their wallet was chained to their person. I thought it was like a motorcycle thing. Yeah, it's the truck thing. Oh. And the motorcycle guys, because they can't have anything of their own, they got to ruin stuff, took it away from truckers. Because <laughs> they can't be bothered to put their wallet in their jacket pocket. They can't be bothered to have a wallet that fits in a pocket. They have to have long wallets and be like, oh. I do hate I the long wallet. have to have a chain on it. It's a trucker thing. It's... A regular wallet fucking kills my ass sitting on it. I can't imagine sitting on a long wallet for 18 hours. That's because your wallet's folded up. A long wallet ain't folded. <laughs> you just gotta have deep pockets. <laughs> I think we've digressed fairly far. It sounds like a good time for a break. Oh, there is no break. This is the episode. <laughs> we gotta find a graceful landing, but I don't see any in, in sight. We're stuck in this. <laughs> This is what the show is. is it's this, a show about nothing. This, this limbo point. of talking about stupid shit. You see, when you said, we're going to break the episode in half and do two, you're going to step aside the curtain. We're going to stop at, this, at some point and then start the next episode uh, today. And they'll be released separately. So have you seen any other John Woo films? I'm, I'm going to turn my microphone off now. Well, I, I think you've probably seen I'm some. turning my microphone it. off Broken Arrow. I'm turning it off now. Hard Boiled. If you can still hear me, it's through Matt's mic. Yeah? Because I've turned it off. Well, he also did uh, Mission Impossible 2 with better face uh, changing technology, if you ask me, with the hyper-realistic mask. What do you think about that, Michael? you care to switch your mic on and join us? What do you think about motorcycle fights as opposed to boat fights? What's your favorite vehicle to do hand-to-hand combat on? Semis or trains. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that there's like a new like uh, jujitsu league that's all like fighting in the front seat of a car? I think it's also Russian. One of those bullshit like Russian combat sports. Oh, God. Like those MMA freak shows I told you about. <laughs> Is your microphone still off? <laughs> okay. Well... That's been another episode of The Snob and the Scent Presents. Uh, we're going to go ahead and lay out uh, the rest of Nicolas Cage month. Uh, as you know, we started out with Face Off, and we're going to go chronologically through his career. Next w- episode, we're going to be doing Bringing Out the Dead from 1999. After that, we'll be doing Lord of War from 2007, you said? 2005 or 2006, I think. Something like that. And then we're going to cap it off with Mandy from 2018. Sounds right. That sounds right. Well. This has been another episode of The Snob and the Scent Presents. I've been your host, Matt. I've been your host, Michael. All right. We'll catch you in about 20 minutes if we can fucking do it. For you, it would be about a week. <laughs> Take your time to wait out on you and smile when you realize